So, hello, and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Levitza. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. Um, we don't really have a very <laughs> strong format. Uh, we just kind of talk about whichever one of those two topics interests us at the moment. I know we have some new listeners, so welcome to you guys. Um, we also recently saw that we have some really awesome reviews on iTunes, which is very, very nice, especially considering that we don't ever remember to ask people to review us on iTunes, but that's really awesome. I think if you listen to other podcasts, you probably know that reviews help other people find the show. Um, so that's pretty cool, but mainly it's just cool because it really means a lot to us that people are interested in what we're doing. Um, we originally created this podcast because we moved away from a lot of our friends and we missed being able to have conversations like this that, you know, were interesting and enlightening and important to us. So we thought we could maybe create a little community of people who are also interested in these types of conversations and we're just really excited that people are responding to that. Today we're going to talk about politics. Yeah. And Adam found this transcript from Hillary Clinton. Is that right? Yeah, she was talking at a tech conference called Code 2017 and uh, some So you know it's all about disruption, right? Yeah, they mostly talked about the election. Disrupting. How you disrupt an election and lose. Yeah. <laughs> How you disrupt the most easily winnable election by losing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'll just... Uh, Lubitsa hasn't read it. Um, I went through and pulled out some stuff. So I'll share that with her here. And we'll, that'll be the podcast. Yeah. We'll just kind of react to it and see what we think. So they asked her, you knew you were going to run for president or you thought you might... Or probably you're thinking about it. You had to be thinking about it as a possibility. So why did you do those Goldman Sachs speeches? Why did you have Goldman? And she said to them, why do you have Goldman Sachs here at the conference? And she and there was laughter. And the one of the moderators said, because they pay us. And she said, they paid me. And then there was laughter and applause. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe she said that. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to that idea that, like, the politics of these people are so empty. I mean, not the moderators. I don't care about them. But, like, Hillary Clinton, it's, like, this idea of, like, well, this is within the rules. Well, they paid me. Like, again, it's, like, okay, yeah, it's within the rules. And I guess the market spoke, so you went and showed up. But, you know, if you don't have any idea about, like, where you draw lines, what you think is good versus what's bad. I don't know. It just it reminds me of that thing we talk about, like, with Vox and, like, those wonks where it's, like, if you ask them what's your perfect world, they would just be, like, this one with some smarter tweaks, you know? This is kind of like that. It's, like, well, we played within the rules. Like, we, we, I don't know. It's, like, we didn't break anything. Like, we didn't break the rules. We didn't undo any conventions so you can't be mad at us uh another part of her rebuttal to why did you speak to goldman sachs because they actually pressed her on the issue a bit more and even though they're really friendly to her like they constantly make references during this interview about like oh what i was saying to you last night and like you know acting like they're really familiar and act she's acting like they're her friends you know uh one of the moderators i don't know who they are 
but Walt says, you're not somebody who needed that money for the next week's shopping, and you knew you might run, so why do it? And she said, well, I gave speeches to many, many groups. I spoke to camp counselors. I spoke to healthcare executives. I spoke to, Yeah, one know, of these is not like the other, groups. though. Yeah. I spoke to Goldman Sachs. I spoke to executives. I spoke to camp counselors. <laughs> and then later on, she said, because she was saying, I was a senator from New York on 9-11. And what I talked to the most about, uh, when I talked to these Goldman Sachs people, what I talked the most about was the hunt for bin Laden. Uh, sure. <laughs> whatever I mean in a way it doesn't really matter what she talked to them about maybe that is what she talked to them about maybe she talked to them about a you know new shoe line she wants to come out with I don't give a shit what she talked to them about the important thing is by going there accepting that money she is signaling loud and clear I am with you guys I am your friend I'm accepting the money from you obviously you're not giving me money for nothing and we all know it's not for a hours long speech about whatever the speech was about, you know, yeah. like. Actually, later on, she talks about how the Mercers were giving money to the Trump campaign, and she's like, they weren't giving money to the Trump campaign for nothing. Like, they wanted something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, like all donors. Yeah. But not Goldman Sachs. Yeah. They just wanted to hear about the hunt for bin Laden. Yeah, no, they had like a good all heart. Like, ba- all bankers want to hear about the hunt for bin Laden. Yeah. So I thought this part was actually good. The questioner brings up the vast right-wing conspiracy against her, and... Um, They're still talking about her election laws here. She said, back in 98, look, I've been watching this and have been the target for a number of years. And what it's hard for people to really understand is that there are forces in our country, put the Russians to one side, who have been fighting rearguard actions for as long as I've been alive. Because my life coincided with the civil rights movement, with the women's rights movement, with anti-war protesting. And we're on a real roll as a country. Despite an ass, we were on a real roll as a country back then. Despite assassinations, despite setbacks, you know, opening the doors of opportunity, expanding rights to people who never had them, it was frankly thrilling. And I believed then and now that we're never done with this work. So part of the challenge is to maintain that energy and focus going forward. But you've got to recognize the other side is never, never tired. They're always looking to push back. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about the Voting Rights Act. She says, when she was in the Senate, they voted 98 to nothing to expand the Voting Rights Act. And then a little while later, the Supreme Court said, we don't need that anymore, throws it out. And Republican governors and legislatures began doing everything they could to suppress the vote. So that's, she says, that was before we get to the Russians or Cambridge Analytica, the Mercers, like Dana firm, Mm -hmm. or anything else. And there were lots of factors at work, and yeah, it was aimed at me, but it's a much deeper, more persistent effort to try to literally turn the clock back on so much of what we've achieved as a country. Okay, yeah, that's That's nice, I was really surprised to hear her say that. I mean, I'm not, because, like, it's like, okay, cool, she knows the right things to say, civil rights and women's rights and stuff are good, but where were you during the civil rights movement? Oh, yeah, you were working for Barry Goldwater. (laughs) You know, this is why people don't trust her, because she says one thing, and then you look at her record and her actions, and she's done something completely different. We're what hindered, you know, black people's, like, ability to gain wealth and status and stuff in this country. Well, I don't know, but the omnibus welfare reform and prison reform bills didn't help you know mm-hmm. you were on the wrong side of that issue yeah you're not for single payer health care or 15 dollar hour minimum wage which would help women and minorities most because those are the people who hold minimum yeah. wage jobs the most like 
it's nice thing, nice words. Maybe that's why they pay her so much for speeches. But you are in power mm-hmm. throughout much of that time that yeah. you're talking about, and and you didn't fight for those progressive changes. And she doesn't mention, you know, class issues or poverty issues at all. Actually, yeah. Now well, that you mention it, I'm not surprised. It. Yeah. Although, obviously, you know, MLK, LBJ, very focused on. Yeah, it wasn't class. just about representation. Yeah. It was about guarantees to, you know, employment. Yeah. To equal pay. Like, women weren't just fighting, I don't know, to have equal rights, whatever that means. Like, that part of that is, like, about, yeah, class, material wealth. Like, we unfortunately live in a capitalist society that shit matters yeah it matters a hell of a lot more than you know diversity representation alone or tokenism basically so that reminds me of something else she said here that i was interested what you would think of this was just about like they were asking her what what are you doing now partly Mm -hmm. and she was like i support these two groups that are helping people run and specifically helping women run yeah and i it i just like you know, they don't talk about why should you have women running. Yeah. You know? It just is seen as, like, a goal in and of itself. Yeah. Like, I don't want people to think that... I don't think... I think that if we had a healthy society, it would be basically 50-50 in the Congress. You would... Because we should... I think that represents our health as a society. Because yeah. there's no... Even if you think men and women are essentially different, which I don't, you should still think that... women's opinions are equally valuable and their ability to lead is also should also be valued yeah so even if you think men and women are fundamentally different you should still want women's perspective in government right so i'm not against that but like what's the goal what's the point of focusing on having women run and that's the whole point of your organization yeah well i think what especially worries me is like what type of women are they supporting who run you know are they supporting more like socialist women running you know are they supporting women who are poor and want to run or are they kind of propagating what tends to happen in smaller elections whether it's on the democrats or republican side but i know more about the democrats side which is that one of the first things they ask you when you say you want to run is, okay, what's your network? Like, wh- how much money can you bring yeah. in? Yeah. And if you can't bring in, like, it's like, okay, call us when you can bring in, like, a million dollars or otherwise, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. So, and that's that's for small, like, that's for, like, state houses sometimes. Maybe a little bit less for state houses. But you still got to have some connections. Yeah, for money. sure. And definitely if you want to run, like, as a state rep, as a representative like for congress for your uh district like yeah you have to raise like a million bucks at least on your own and then the democrats will consider coming to talk to you to help you so you have to find people packs whoever is willing to give you some money like to get to that like kind of they're like thresholds and then other groups will come in to help you essentially you know so what i to say well i just support these two groups I don't know what that means, you know? I mean, it sounds nice, run for something. Women should run, of course, you know? I get that. I agree with that. But what, I don't know. Are you propagating that, like, rich women like you are the, are you, like, repeating that cycle? That rich women like you are the ones that are ultimately, 
become candidates because of sort of the qualifying criteria, you know, if they have like a threshold for when they come in to help a race or Mm -hmm. if they're helping women who only take certain policy stances or who don't call themselves Marxists or socialists or whatever, then they are, you know, if they're not willing to help poor women who don't have a network run, a lot of times those women know the district, the people, the problems better than you know, women who are doing fine and are able to raise a bunch of money, right? So just saying, okay, well, we're going to have women, That's that actually doesn't really represent a diversity of voices or opinions in and of itself, right? So, yeah. like, I don't know what that means. Like, again, it's one of those things, with, like, a lot of things with her. It's like, I guess, again, those are nice words. I guess I could clap for that, but it doesn't really represent any type of actual... What's change. the what's the vision, right? Yeah, what, no, what no do you change. think changes when you get more women yeah. in office? But that's it. That's what they think the change. Yeah, because we'll if more we have more office, Nancy Pelosi's, it. what am I going to do with that? Yeah, you know, they're mm-hmm. never going to represent me. Yeah, I don't really believe in essential differences between men and women. I think probably no, there but are there some. are different lived life experiences that ultimately yeah, lead exactly. you to have a different viewpoint. Definitely, I can get with we that. We have different socialization, different experiences, but um, well. I know that, like, DSA has been running people in smaller local races, and they've had people win, even in places like Texas. I forget if it was Mississippi or Alabama. This guy just won a pretty big seat, like mayor or something of a town, you know? Hey, guys, just a quick interruption here to let you know that the person I was thinking of is named Chakwi Lumumba, and he is just about to be, like, next week, be sworn in as the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. And actually, he just went on Democracy Now! to announce that he's going to make Jackson the most radical city on the planet, which is so cool. I can't even believe it. It's really exciting. So I'll actually link to the Democracy Now! story. And yeah, I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that I'm not totally just talking out of my ass. This is really happening. And democratic socialists are slowly going to take over America. Okay, that's all for now. Enjoy the rest of the show. It's just like Democrats never really spoke to like he is from like an immigrant community there and basically like democrats never really even tried to like speak to that area at all because they just wrote it off as like well it's in a red state we don't run there we don't care you know Mm -hmm. it's always going to be a red state and it turns out no there was like a giant african community but i forget which country but the point is like he knew his community maybe he didn't have a giant network to run and raise millions of dollars or what, or even let's say $500,000. But he knew his community. He knew the issues that mattered to them. DSA supported him and cause they don't expect you to have a giant network and he fucking won. There's like a socialist mayor in a town in a deep red state now. Cool. Yeah. So that's how you get a diversity of opinions. Again, a diversity of lived life experiences is what matters not just our gender my gender doesn't necessarily tie me to other women in in most ways you know like yeah and she doesn't even mention you know once we have more women in government than such and such yeah i know that's just the goal is to have more women in government that's it but she does mention um she's talking about nevada yeah, the Politburo in China is like 50% women almost. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she When she mentioned Emerge America, one of the groups she's working with in Nevada, uh, she says, 
in some parts of this con uh, transcript, it feels like you get the sense that she is egotistical. Um, she says, another group has been around for a longer time, Emerge America supports women who run. Their grassroots operations invested in women in Nevada. We flipped both houses. I won Nevada. We won the house in the Senate of Nevada. Okay, what's that have to do with you winning Nevada? That's not what you're talking about right now. Yeah. She just slipped it in. But anyway, my point is not that. It's that she says, so they're playing catch up and trying to be more progressive and smart about their policies. So she does mention that they're trying to be more progressive about their policies. Um, on the other hand, I'm losing all faith in progressive as meaning anything in particular. Yeah, we heard someone or read somewhere someone say progressive is like the all natural yeah. of you know political choices like yeah. when you see all natural on a food all natural chicken yeah it's like it doesn't yeah. mean anything but it sounds good it doesn't yeah. stand for anything yeah you know yeah it all natural signify. chicken it signals but it doesn't signify yeah it, it doesn't, doesn't, mean that doesn't tell you anything about yeah. the chicken it's is it hormone they, free was it you know, just, free uh, range doesn't it just mean signals what they want you to believe about the chicken what yeah. you want to feel about the chicken exactly. about these policies exactly. that they're good yeah, and exactly. That they're vaguely good. Yeah. Also, there is a cast to progressivism that I don't like at all, which is they a lot of like DLC types like the Clintons use it to mean like forward thinking, which in their mind means mm. harnessing the power of markets. And totally. she actually says she doesn't just say more progressive. She says more progressive and smart about their policies. And smart is another code word that they use to say like. We're not going to use those old-fashioned methods of yeah. of governing empowering like welfare. People. Yeah, empowering people or redistributing wealth. Yeah. We're going to use nudges. We're going to work with the market, not against Market it. solutions. Market solutions, The yeah. wisdom of the market. Yeah, have you ever noticed how whenever people say shit like that, they always talk about markets like they have some like inherent morality or wisdom? Yeah. And it's like, that already is suspect, but like, they never say like... Like, they never talk about, like, the morality or wisdom of the shareholders, who are the people who ultimately are creating the conditions of the markets. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have a sense they of the role like, of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. They, they act like humanity is removed from it, and therefore it's this, like, impartial good. But it's, like, but shareholders and CEOs and stuff, like, create these markets and these conditions and... Mm -hmm. every aspect of them really and we don't say like ceos are so moral and wise yeah. or shareholders are maybe that's so how... why would we assume that markets are maybe that's how um like on the broad left all the way from you know center left liberal all the way to socialist and communist we typically underplay the role of individuals whereas conservatives overemphasize it because they still have like the grand man view of history you know, they still want a Napoleon to run America, basically. Yeah. But we're so obsessed with systems, we don't give due credit to the role that individuals play in a system. So, like, we say about policing, like, well, the system's broken. You yeah. Know? And that's true, but also there are just cops who, like, literally like killing people. Who They go out and celebrate sometimes after they have shot somebody in the line Ugh, of duty. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's almost like... No matter what system you create, yeah, people are going to be in it, yeah. acting yeah. within that system. So I don't understand why we can't create systems that assume that people will be in charge of them rather mm -hmm. than acting like, 
well, if we have a market, you know, driven solution, like, or system or whatever, then that's somehow like cleaner or better or more moral because, because it assumes that people aren't involved. Yeah. But really they are. I don't know. It's just, it's just something that like really and it's frustrates a bit, me. It, it's a bit um, inertia ick. Yeah. Because it gives the impression that things are either inevitable or impossible to change. Yeah. You know, I think that is a really important part of it, actually, yeah. now that you say that. Yeah, totally. Because it really gives the impression when you say like, oh, this is a market solution or we want a system where the market decides, it does give this impression that it's like, yeah, not just that this is good, but that this is like, yeah, like something that can't be changed. It's like, yeah, this inertia, this inevitable force, the market that yeah. will determine, you know, benevolently <laughs> what is, you know, good and right and needed. Um, or, or like, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, back on policing and stuff. Um, you know, the argument from conservatives is always like most police are good people. Mm -hmm. Um, and we say, yes, most police are good people, but the system is corrupt. corrupt. But like, what about the guy who shot Walter Scott? He's not a good person. That's just, yeah. This is just a terrible individual. Yeah. Um, like we, who's the activist, the prison abolitionist that we heard on this? Oh, Miriam Kaba. Yeah. And she talked a, a lot of stuff that I really liked and haven't really been exposed to before about, um, you know, our society is too, like, punishment-focused, and even when, you know, leftists talk about the economy, like, you know, democratic socialists, Bernie people, we say, like, we need to jail some bankers. Mm -hmm. And she had the position, like, why are we instantly jumping to that attitude where we need to punish somebody for this? Yeah, because... And she's totally right about that. I am trying not to think that way, and trying to think, like, we need a different system obviously that should be the end goal but in the meantime if we jail some of these police officers who are doing this if we jail or jail a few bankers like that is going to have an effect on individuals who are in that system yeah i i'd like to think that but i have to say she like totally converted me she like yeah. blew my mind i've been like thinking nonstop about that we heard her on intercepted uh the intercepts podcast and we oh, also yeah, heard her better. on this in is hell the intercepted one was better yeah was and i just like yeah she like blew my mind and uh i think she's right i mean as much as i am like i've probably said it on this podcast like we need to jail some bankers and then other people mm -hmm. you know no one at the top ever gets punished they're like above yeah. reproach whether it's like journalists who like helped propagate the bush administration's lies and got us into war or bankers who despite losing billions in wealth and retirement and yeah. earnings like, jail john you that's my personal campaign but i'm just saying like those people somehow they lost all that money but no one did anything that was fraudulent or corrupt right. or in any way you know a, a jailable offense yeah, yeah and then you know i always think too like uh, yeah anyway it really pisses me off obviously like i think bush is a war criminal and there's a lot of politicians who should also go to jail yeah john yeah. you but uh, my point is just like at the same time as like as soon as I start thinking that I get like so upset I'm like oh these people need to go to jail. Um, it's it, it feels ugly. Well, yeah, but more importantly, like if you ask me, like, does the death penalty work? I'd be like, no, no yeah, way. True. The death penalty is like totally inhumane and Not it doesn't a, deter right. anyone, right? No yeah. one commits a crime thinking they'll get caught, let alone that they'll get caught and they might get 
yeah, put to true. death, right? If you want, if you are in some kind of fury or you're a serial killer or whatever, and you want to murder someone, you're the death penalty doesn't even. I can't imagine it factors into anyone's decision yeah. making, right? That's true. So I feel like this is the same thing, and and I think she's right. I like, I really think she's right. I think what actually that impulse for us where we want to like imprison, you know, bankers or whatever, what that really illustrates is just like uh, how completely unequal our society is and how much disparity there is in power, not even in wealth, right? But it's just like some people have the power to act so with impunity. Yeah. Oh, but that's the word punishment in there. Well, I was going to say immorally. Okay. You know? They have the power to act so blatantly immorally and yet not face any consequences. And other people act, it's questionable. Is it immoral to smoke weed? No. I don't think so, you know? Even like, is it immoral to steal if you're so poor you can't feed yourself or your family or whatever? Mm -hmm. I would say no, but, you know, but people have gone to jail for stealing small amounts of food, like, recently. Yeah. So... It's that discrepancy of power and and I suppose the immorality actually of that discrepancy that is what people are talking about, you know, when they say, oh, we should jail the bankers or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really frustration with our That's true. system. And jailing bankers is not going to stop other bankers from breaking no, that's the what law I'm saying. I don't if they stand so. to make billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm probably wrong. There's no probably no point jailing individual bankers. It's not going to change others' behavior. I listened to an interview with Bernie Madoff recently-ish, and he was saying that basically, like, he didn't even care that he was in jail. That wasn't really the reason that he was sad about what he'd done, but, like, his sons won't talk to him anymore because they're, like, so upset and embarrassed by what he did. And that's what... If he could have known that, that it would tear his family apart the way it has, that that's what would have deterred him from actually doing this. Yeah. So it's not the confinement that's going to stop you. Right. It's like the Yeah, I think that's one of personal the... consequences, you yeah. know? I think that's why so many liberal and lefty people latch on to the idea of like reconciliation circles. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I- I'm interested in that. Okay, so since we were talking about future elections sort of a while ago, let's talk more about that. Um, she says, you know, we thought we were going to win. That's all I can tell you. We knew, I knew that I'd taken a tremendous hit after the Comey letter. And then later I understood the role that WikiLeaks played in it, but the Comey letter was measurable. You could see my drop. Uh, she says, so you know, I needed a big majority to come out of Philadelphia, which I got close to half a million. And I needed about a 15 to 17 point lead to come out of the Philadelphia suburbs. Before the Comey letter, based on our polling, I had about a 22 point lead in the Philadelphia suburbs. After that letter, my momentum, particularly among women in the suburbs, stopped and dropped. I won the suburbs, but I only won them by 10. Um, I, I subtitled my notes here called, on this bit, The, My, the Myopia of Analytics. Mm-hmm. They were so convinced that they had to win the suburbs that that's what she saw in her numbers. Yeah. You know? And yeah. she, they were talking about how we thought we were going to win based on our polling. But now she's using the same flawed polling to to identify the Comey letter as the problem why she didn't win. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, I'll never forget, obviously, Chuck Schumer saying, oh, you know, for every liberal or whatever that doesn't, that we lose, that does, or Bernie voter that... Right, in Youngstown or Michigan or Wisconsin. No, 
Oh, right. But, we'll, yeah, that will gain, like, Republican re- two Republicans in the suburbs. In the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. So, of of Philadelphia. Yeah. So, it's really interesting. I guess they were really focused on Philadelphia, you know? Yeah. It's like, that wasn't just off the cuff, like, Philadelphia. No. It was like, no, specifically, literally... we are targeting Philadelphia moms. Literally, yeah. Later on, they're asked, maybe this was earlier, but they also asked her, can we take the house back? Actually, I wanted to mention, before this, they asked if she was running again, and she just said, no. <laughs> So hopefully she sticks yeah, to that. Yeah, please stick to that. And they asked her, can we take the house back? And then she said, yes. Applause, applause. But uh, then they asked her, we've got 20-something Senate seats that we have to defend because Democrats are smart, right? So they know, based on the ones that are going up this time, we cannot win the Senate in 2018. Okay, okay, good. Don't try. But uh, I'm kidding, they should try. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it's kind of crazy how they're so wedded to the same strategy that's helped them lose seats all across this nation, up and down the totem of power. Like, why why not just actually try a different strategy? Because they have looked at the numbers. Yeah, but they haven't looked at the numbers of, like, trying to run, like, uh, like Bernie-style candidates in states where they've like basically given up on mm-hmm. having a presence. I mean, I'm telling you, the, this young man who won the mayorship, like he was in a red state that I'm positive Democrats had given up on. Yeah. But he won as a socialist. <laughs> like try something different for God's sakes or at least try running as a Democrat in more places than the few that you think are your stronghold. Yeah, totally. Going back to this polling thing, right? Later on, when the audience start asking her questions, um, someone gets up and says, Hi, I am uh, Neely Patel from this newspaper in Wisconsin called The Verge. Why didn't you spend more time in Wisconsin? She says, Well, I will tell you. We thought we were doing really well in Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) We knew we needed to win the Philadelphia suburbs by 22%, and we knew we did not have to go to Wisconsin. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's really stupid, though. Like... She said, we sent a lot of great surrogates, including Tim Kaine and others, to Wisconsin. I spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania, where they thought they had to win the Philadelphia suburbs. Yeah, I mean, also, like, show up and turn out your base, man. Like, you know, okay, when I would, like, train people on campaigning, (laughs) the first thing you do is teach people about, like, creating a universe of your voters, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all the voters that are in the voter database. And then you look at the ones that are like Democrats, right? To moderates. Mm -hmm. Then you, so you narrow it down, right? Like, so you call it narrow your universe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you narrow it down, right? And you, you knock on doors to see where people are at. You talk to people and see like, can we, you touch people, right, again and again to see, like, can we push this person mm-hmm. onto our side? If We ask them, you know, what are your top three issues? Well, this is where my candidate stands on those issues. Does that make you more interested in voting for, you know, you partially to figure out, like, when you're targeting people, what are the issues that this community cares mm-hmm. about, but also to touch these specific people with those issues to make sure that they know, like, we're going to fight for you when it comes to the things you're interested mm-hmm. in, okay? So you're pushing and pushing, but... When you get down to, like, the last couple weeks before an election, 
you don't go to the three to like the moderates, right, and try to push them to turn out to vote. Well, that's where they were. They were in Philadelphia the night. Yeah, before. no, you narrow right. So you narrow your universe to the people that you're going to GOTV get out the oh, vote, right? Right. Yeah. That's why we call it GOTV. Like, yeah. so those are the people you concentrate on because you don't have time anymore at the end of an election to push people to your side. You just have to focus on getting the highest turnout possible mm-hmm. of your base. This is such basic, like... I know. I know this. I'm not very <laughs> old, and I have so, some experience in this, yeah. but you know what I mean? We should mention the stories about... I'm not an about, expert. Like, it's like, yeah. I haven't worked on... We should mention the stories about, like, the, you know, Democratic volunteers on the ground in Michigan, and I think Wisconsin, but definitely Michigan, going to the campaign and saying, send us yard signs. And they yeah. said, no, it's not worth our time to send you yard signs. We're going to win. It's not yeah, worth our time. That's really shitty, although I, I have also many times said to people... Yard signs don't vote. <laughs> Get over the yard signs. Candidates yeah. love yard signs because they right. love seeing their name everywhere. Yeah. But I understand. At the same time, yeah, send the fucking yard signs. Yeah. Like, especially that's going to get people excited, you know? Yeah. As, like, also, you can use yard signs sometimes as a way to, like, oh, wow, you've done so much campaigning for us. Or whoever gets the most knocks at the end of the night gets a free yard sign. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can use them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, pens, like everything, you know? You can use that stuff to, like, get volunteers and motivate people to knock on more doors. That's fine. I mean, yeah. I get why maybe the campaign wanted more yard signs, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, to like ignore their needs completely is really stupid. But mainly to not do the most basic aspect of campaigning, like the most basic strategy of campaigns is really mind blowing to yeah, me. Like totally. it honestly really boggles my mind when I think about like, how do they not do this? You know, like, yeah. And uh, well, you have to, th- you, it's hard to resist the conclusion that they know people like the people that come from the Philadelphia suburbs. Yes. They don't know people like that come from Youngstown or Wayne County or yeah. Cleveland in Ohio. Yeah. And I'm not talking white working seeing... class because those are the some of the blackest counties in Ohio. Yeah. You know, they don't know people like that. Yeah. You don't end up in their circles. Right. So they apparently didn't think of these people. That's, it's hard not to draw that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely hard not to draw that conclusion, and it's also uh, hard not to draw the conclusion that they took for those people for granted, right? Yeah. That like they were just like, especially all, the non-white our, people. Yeah, they're yeah. our firewall, right? Who are they gonna vote for? Trump? They're fucked, right? So mm-hmm. they don't have any options. We haven't given them yeah any option that would Although, make them excited. So they're gonna have to come to vote for me, right? Yeah, and it's like that's not how it works though people do have another option which is to stay home which is what people did like in michigan how much did she lose not that much right i think i read somewhere that it was like by a couple votes in every district so that means like if like a couple more people turned out in each district in michigan instead of choosing to stay home she could have won yeah there was something else in this wisconsin story that was weird like three or four times she mentioned this i will say i referenced earlier there were all these Google searches going on about WikiLeaks, and they were particularly prevalent. Very high incidents in certain counties in Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, so her theory was that um, people were still making up their minds, and they Googled WikiLeaks, and that meant that they voted for Trump or stayed home, because they believed, apparently, that she was running a child sex ring out of Comet Ping Pong. That's literally her theory. 
Uh, no. No. People were, go- <laughs> people were Googling it because conservatives love to talk about it. That's why they were looking it up. Yeah. People who are already against you loved that story. That's why they were consuming it on the internet. And if people were making up their minds or were confused and they were in your base and they were looking it up, you know what would have helped reassure them? Is if you showed up to their state confidently and said... Here I am. I'm still your champion. Yeah. I have nothing to hide. I'm here looking you in the eyes, telling you I am here yeah. for Wisconsin. Free pizza for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? If instead you're like hiding out in the suburbs of Philadelphia, then it does. I, I don't think Comet Ping Pong is real, obviously. Here's... But I'm just saying like it doesn't look good, right? It would look so much better if you showed up in that state confidently. If you see that people are searching that, again, another reason to fucking show up yeah. in Wisconsin. Her actual vote is even worse, quote, is, actual, is actually worse and condescending. She mentioned, you know, running a child sex ring out of the basement of a pizzeria, and the audience laughed. And she said, you laugh. People were obsessing over this stuff, obsessing over it. And you put yourself in the position of a low-information voter. And all of a sudden, your Facebook feed, your Twitter account is saying, Oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton is running a child trafficking operation in Washington with John Podesta. Well, you don't believe it, but this has been such an unbelievable election, you kind of go, Oh, maybe I better look into that. That's how stupid she thinks people are. Yeah, because if you look into that for like a minute... You're going to find a lot of people online making fun of it and saying this is absolutely absurd. So you would have to be either a real idiot or be really conservative and already in the bag, like you're saying, against Hillary. I guarantee you nobody who considered voting for Hillary at the end of October would think, oh my God, is this true? I better (laughs) look into it. And then they would change their minds and vote for Trump. Can you imagine a single... What would a person who does that... What, who would they be? What would their life be like? That's bizarre. Nobody would do that. We've been watching Ancient Aliens recently, and I think we really need to do a podcast on conspiracy <laughs> theories. Oh, yeah. But let me say one thing about conspiracy theories in this podcast that I'm sure we'll build upon in the future, which is that I really, really, truly believe that conspiracy theories are not, cr- like, crazy crazy. Like, yes, they the outline... the Big story is crazy. Hillary Clinton runs a child sex ring. That's crazy, right? But if you look at, like, the themes and the currents uh, underlying the story, what does it say? Hillary Clinton is untrustworthy. Hillary Clinton is a liar. Hillary Clinton exploits vulnerable people. She pretends to defend the marginalized, but she only cares about herself. Exactly. So that's what that theory, I think, is expressing. I mean, it's just a story. Like, can't fire stories in the past you know things we tell each other like to get an idea across more than it is about the specific details of whatever the conspiracy theory is in my opinion so i would say that if you believed that comet ping pong story you already were yeah, yeah, like you're saying. You were already believing yes, those things about her. Exactly. That it represents. And, and how could you then be a Hillary voter? So, yeah. yeah, that's why I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no way. Who would that person be? Yeah. yeah. What else definitively proves that she is out of touch with these people and has no idea what their lives are like is that she thinks they have Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh... no, like 40-something undecided voter in Wisconsin and Ohio has ever been on Twitter. Yeah, also, like, if they're a low-information voter, yeah, you know, then... Yeah, they're not then, on Twitter. Yeah, 
I mean, I don't think that... So- Obviously, there are no low information. Things. I know. How I know. How could you not have an opinion? The amount of people who have no opinion. But that's what is I'm like saying. If you're on Twitter, small. you have a lot of information and yeah. an opinion, and yeah, you've probably that's already decided exactly. If you want to tell other yeah. people your opinion. If you're not getting on there to like congratulate other people for sharing your opinion or trolling people who disagree with you, you would stay on Facebook. Literally, none of she thinks they have a Facebook and Twitter account. None of these people have a Twitter account. Uh, so more about elections here. I I wanted to lead up with that because the hosts asked, can we take the house back? And applause. Applause rang out yeah. and she said yes. Uh, he says, we've got 20-something Senate seats that we have to defend. He says, I mean seriously, come on. You're really smart about this. Let's be honest. Implying, we can't win. Let's give up. You know? <laughs> you're smart. Why not give up? <laughs> also, you're so smart. You lost an election to Donald Trump. You're so smart about this. You're so good at electoral politics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I am not an expert. I'm not someone who was ever highly paid in a campaign to, like, for some major office or something. Yeah. But the campaign experience I have is enough to know that this was very bad strategy. Yeah. And it was missing like the most basic aspects of campaign strategy you're so smart you ran for senate once in new york and you won that's it and then once for re-election which is easy yeah yeah oh and anyway so she says yes let's look at the house you know forget is the that senate. the only election she's ever won yeah she yeah. was senator twice and the second time she was only there for a year or two before she became sec of state yeah and that was a re-election campaign right. and before and that's then why she, yeah but she, yeah she lost to obama yeah. She lost this time, and, and before it. that, she's never been in politics. No, that's her yeah. whole electoral campaign. And yeah, you're so good at electoral <laughs> politics. Yeah, um, and she ran in New York because it was guaranteed win, like one of the most liberal states in the country. And how could anybody primary her when she has Wall Street on her side and she like has the whole party apparatus behind her? Yeah. And how could a Republican win Senate in New York? Yeah. It was a given that she would get it. So. She says, let's look at the House. We have to flip 24 seats, okay? I won 23 districts that have a Republican Congress member. Seven of them are in California, Darrow Issa being one. If we can flip those, if we can then go deeper into where I did well, where we can get good candidates, I think flipping the House is certainly realistic. It's a goal we can set for ourselves. She's talking about, again, those suburbs of Philadelphia, Right. Yeah. She's talking about seven districts in California that have a Republican congressperson, meaning the most conservative parts of California. Yeah. You know, not the parts of Miss Michigan or Wisconsin or Ohio that used to be liberal. She's not talking about winning yeah. those. She's, again, talking about the suburbs of Philadelphia. And then she says, uh, you know, we've got two very good political strategists running the Senate and the House for Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They know how to win elections. They're incredibly focused, tireless, and effective. So, honestly, I'm hopeful about the House. (laughs) Uh, But we have, like, no majority anywhere, practically, but especially in the House or the Senate. No, no. That's how good they are. They've lost their majority. That's how good they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I guess Chuck Schumer just came in, more or less, but Nancy Pelosi's been there, like, practically our whole lives. Like, yeah. And she's lost... And she's so the good. The majority. At, she's so good at winning elections that she can win in San Francisco as a Democrat. I know. And Chuck Schumer can win in New York as a Democrat. As re- very, very wealthy, dem- personally Imagine. wealthy Democrats. These people are geniuses. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's really not, I mean, there's lots of obvious reasons why they win, but it's also important to say, I think, what is it, like, in, like, 91, I think, percent of races, maybe even higher, uh, the person who has the most money wins, right? So, if you're, like I was telling you, they asked you, like, what's your personal network? If you're as wealthy as Nancy Pelosi, who's, like, I think the second or third richest member of Congress. Oh, yeah, no, she's... Yeah, Way you're always going to win, you know? Yeah. Even in uh even if she wasn't in San Francisco, mm-hmm. there's like a really solid chance she'd always and win. And Darrow Ice, you know, is that maybe... doesn't mean she's a good political strategist. Darrow that just Ice means is... she's a rich bitch. Darrow Ice is maybe the richest. Yeah, so if you're yeah, gonna he is. Beat him, it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Also, he's been representing his district for a long time. And yeah, and he, uh, incumbents are very hard to get rid of. Yeah, and he's actually not total shit on every issue. Like, there are some issues I agree with him on. Yeah, I think... If you want to... And he's the kind of Republican that maybe would come to our side sometimes, you know? I think he does on some net neutrality stuff. Yeah, you want to, like, take seats back from the Republicans, target the districts where the real crazies are. Yeah, Ben Nelson, Joe Manchin, Claire McCaskill. I mean, the people who aren't... You're talking blue dog Democrats. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Get them out of the party. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, because they never run... I mean, they never uh, vote like on critical issues with yeah. the party. Look at like, how successful they were trying. Sorry, they were just trying this week to pass a bill to prevent uh, arms sales to Saudi Arabia. And it was those three and one or two other people. Who yeah, it was it. like Joe Donnelly and uh, Mark Warner, also mm-hmm. all blue dog Democrats yeah. who didn't vote with Democrats with yeah. Chuck Schumer, the great strategist, yeah. on such an obvious. I, yeah. I, I would think a very obvious policy position. Uh, yeah. bill I'm surprised to pass. Republicans get away with voting for that. I, well, yeah, I don't you know. know. I don't understand how but anybody can get away I with agree, voting for that. I agree, but like, you know, if you're such a good strategist, start there. Start in your own party and get rid of the people who aren't actually in your party. Get rid of... You always say, oh, Bernie's not a Democrat. What the fuck are these people? <laughs> Bernie voted with them. You yeah, know, yeah. Bernie went along with the strategy. Yeah, Bernie's ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about getting candidates pursuing progressive policy is like Hillary paid lip service to. Yeah. Get rid of these people. Yes. Ben Nelson's the reason you couldn't get better health care. Exactly. Single-handedly. Well, but then Obama went to Dennis Kucinich's district and blamed Dennis Kucinich yeah. for holding up health care reform. Speaking of Ohio, you want a leader, uh, you know, for electoral victories. What about Sherrod Brown? Yeah. Ohio now has a Republican governor. The other senator is Republican. The whole fucking state is Republican, and he still wins statewide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I know why. Because he's good, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People trust that he's going to represent them on issues that matter. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about something else from this speech besides elections. Well, actually, no. This is about elections, too. (laughs) This whole thing was about elections, which is weird. They barely talked about tech. I was really excited to dig into Hillary Clinton's Understanding. Ideas of tech and understand, yeah, but it's not. There's not a lot there. There's definitely one thing I want to mention at the end. That's that we'll probably pre-negotiated by her team. Like, look, she doesn't really know anything about tech, <laughs> and we don't want her to be embarrassed any more than she has been by losing to Donald Trump. Wasn't so. there an e- one of the leaked emails was like from Huma saying Hillary doesn't know how to do email yeah. on her computer? Just yeah, just BlackBerry. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. right. One of those, her asking her team how to like DVR like. Parks and Rec or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some really cool, actually, insights from Hillary Clinton. Also, it's interesting that I... Something I won't get into that's interesting, but I would recommend, if you're interested, to look it up. Just Google Recode Hillary. Um, 
she talks about like her narrative of the election and how the election got lost and like Trump's campaign and the role the Mercers played and then she gets into her Russian paranoia at the end mm-hmm. one thing I will mention is that I mean I learned some things reading it like she talks about how it was the Mercers who were like yeah we'll support your campaign Mr. Trump but you have to hire Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway <sighs> Yeah, because wow. Steve Bannon was really close to them. I knew that, but I yeah, didn't I knew know that too. they were the ones that like did made that happen. Wow! And they were the ones who brought in like the data analytics company and stuff, also. So without them, like Trump wouldn't have won. And again, Hillary was like, they didn't fund Trump's campaign for their amusement. Yeah. You know, that's what the Goldman Sachs bankers do for me. Uh-huh. They think it's funny to support me. Yeah. Because I'm so against them. <laughs> well, no, they just have good hearts, and they wanted the best most qualified best resume candidate that america's ever had that's what it was all about yeah uh one thing she will mention here so she's going through her narrative of the campaign and then uh she starts talking about russia and she says you know 17 agencies all in agreement in the government which i know as a former secretary of state is hard to get they all concluded with high confidence that the russians ran an extensive information war campaign against my campaign to influence voters, blah, blah, blah. But then she says, I think it's fair to ask, how did they influence the campaign and how did they know what messages to deliver? Who told them? Who were the, yeah. How did these Russians know American culture? How did, how did these Russians know what was going on in America? Yeah, that's Who told them? Yeah. So that's uh, definitely one thing I want to mention from her election. We can also pull out a couple of things about Macedonians later that were funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But she has some interesting insight into like, behind-the-scenes DNC. Uh, Let me search here. I have it subtitled DNC ineptitude. She doesn't use that word, but she might as well. Um, So they're asking her about the political campaign's use of technology, and they say, one one of the hosts, my impression is that the left, the Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to call them, including Bernie Sanders folks, and everybody on the Democratic side, uh, which at one time was ahead of the Republicans on tech, is way behind now. And Hillary says, yeah, yeah. She says, let me do a comparison for you. I set up my campaign, and we have our own data operation. And then I get the nomination, so now I'm the nominee of the Democratic Party. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. What do you mean nothing? I mean it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC you're talking about. Yes, the DNC. To keep it going, I had to inject money into it. How fucking crazy is that? Yeah, that's the one part I can agree with Hillary on, though, for sure, is the voter file is really fucked up. It has a lot of problems. And without getting too into the weeds about those problems, it is really embarrassing that uh, (laughs) one of the two national parties, basically, that are players can't get their shit together on that more. Yeah. Later, after that, she talks about how great the RNC has gotten at it. Um, Obviously... There's that story about how they used, like, cutting-edge mapping software in 2010 to draw redistricting and stole, like, states from Democrats. Like, in Pennsylvania, more people vote for Democrats. Yeah. But it's overwhelmingly Republicans that they elect because they have gerrymandered the district so bad. Yeah, I mean, I think our digital computer or whatever technology has really Mm. just... Amplify. Uh, she has this cool insight into it, actually, that the problem is the donor class for the Democrats, right? Mm. And I guess the theory is, like, rep- the Republican donor class, um, 
you know, they want to get things done. They want to use their money to influence politics to make more money, right? Right. So they're interested in boosting the Republicans as an institution. They're interested in funding think tanks. They're interested in funding the party if the party comes to them and says, like, we need money for computer systems. Mm -hmm. But she says, uh, there's a classic line. Democrats give money to candidates. They want a personal connection. The classic line is Democrats like to fall in love. Republicans just fall in line. So she says Republicans build institutions. Republicans invest in those institutions. Republicans are much more willing to push and cross that line. And Democrats, I've talked to dozens of donors since my election, and I've said, look, I'm all for you trying to figure out who you're going to support in 2020, but what about 2017? What about 2018? What about helping the DNC try to leapfrog over its horrible data deficit? How about supporting some of these new groups and see what they can do to generate some activity? We're not good historically at building institutions. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's true, especially that idea that, yeah, people support donors, especially. But I would say people on the left in general support candidates over the institution. But that being said, I would say that the DNC has not inspired a lot of confidence Mm by how absolutely badly it's been run, you know? I mean, it looked corrupt as fuck during the primary, and now, as a result of, like, their own, like, the lawsuit and their own lawyers, we know that they're essentially saying they have no responsibility to their voters, the base, whatever, Mm -hmm. to even pick the candidate that wins the primary, right? So they said, even if we did put our thumb on the scale for Hillary... That's not bad or wrong. We, mm-hmm. we did nothing wrong. Yeah. So then why would I want to build up an institution like that? If I think it's full of, like, corrupt people and cheaters, why would I want to give money to them? I'd rather pick a candidate that I have faith in. That's true. And just donate to that candidate and hope that they win. Yeah. Then fund, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz or Donna Brazil, both of whom have been proven liars. True, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and apparently, you know... She's criticizing the DNC in that last quote, like, their dad is horrible, whatever. Yeah. It's Debbie Wasserman Schultz that was in charge of that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an even more fundamental problem, which is, like, they're playing the wrong game. Republicans are always going to get more money from rich people because that's their ideology. Definitely. Republicans started getting massive donations, like, in the 70s and 80s, and that's when DLC Democrats were like, we need to do that. Let's get massive donations from Hollywood. Let's get massive donations from Wall Street. But... Republicans are going to support Wall Street just as much. Of course. And, you know, Hollywood billionaires, they don't... What policy issues are you going to put forth? What ideology do Hollywood um, moguls have? Copyright. Just copyright protection. That's all they care about as an industry. Otherwise, nothing, really. You might get individual billionaires who are concerned about climate change, but, like... There's no laws you can pass besides IP protections, which is why it factored so much into the TPP, that will protect those rich donors. Yeah. So you're never going to have them donating enough money to build up an organization that can compete with the Republicans. Totally. It's a losing game. Yeah, which is why then what the way that Republicans focused on gerrymandering everything, I think like Democrats should fall. I mean, this isn't the only solution, but I think it's like a good immediate solution is Democrats should get united behind passing legislation to get all money out of politics. Yeah, 100%. That would be a way to not even, I mean, it would be better for our democracy, 
but it would almost be a way to rig the elections in favor of them Absolutely. because here we're talking oh they get more votes over and over again but they can't win in these yeah. places and the core reason is because they don't have as much money yeah because it took money to That's gerrymander like i told you it took money to change the and laws and also in every race whoever has more money wins yeah and they're always gonna have more money like you're saying of course because yeah. their ideology falls in line with donors so then a little bit later on hillary says uh they ask they ask her about like the media and the internet and she's like this goes back to institution building the, because the media forces on the Republican side are entrenched and very effective, obviously you've got Fox, but now you have Sinclair, which is the corporation that's been buying up local news and radio stations. And here's another thing I learned from Hillary that was interesting. She said, uh, okay, so one of the moderators says, give the example of Montana we talked about. Okay. What's she signaling here? She's signaling, I'm friends with Hillary. Uh-huh. We talk. I'm not just interviewing her. Yeah. We know each other. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking irritating. But anyway, Hillary says, uh, yeah, well, so, you know, Montana, those of you who saw the now newly elected member of Congress literally beating up, body slamming, pushing around a young reporter, um, you know what happened. That's that's what happened. That's what she means. Right. Gianforte, is that his yeah. name? The guy asked him about... Um, Quist? No, the reporter asked him about, like, what oh. was it, taxes or something. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think it was. And he literally body slammed this reporter on the ground. So anyway, Hillary says, so the NBC affiliate in Montana, you know, whatever city it was, I can't remember, Missoula or Billings. Anyway, they've just been bought by Sinclair. So the NBC mothership in New York calls this local station and says, can you send us the footage of what happened? And they said no. Because that reporter was from a liberal paper, and we don't think it's the story we want to be part of. <laughs> this is and this is NBC. You are an mm-hmm. NBC station, but you're owned by this conservative company, and you're just not passing on the video of Gianforte slamming somebody to the ground because it doesn't benefit your political point of view. And then Hillary makes the point that these local news stories get fed up, right? You know, up the chain right. to the internet and national news. Yeah, it's weird how like one corporation can own so much media it's almost like someone <laughs> deregulated the media back in 1996 yep. yep and now we have corporations that can own information to the point where they can bury it if they don't yep. like it or blast and cover entire regions of the country with negative information about or yep. propaganda or whatever the fuck they feel like about a candidate yep who was that president? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I feel like the idea that she's any Bill right... Clinton, for anybody who doesn't know. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was Bill. The idea that she thinks that she can complain about something like that. I'm sorry. Like, I agree. That's true. That's a, a good example. It's fucked up. Everything you said is true. But guess what? When you decide to cor- court corporations for money, Wall yeah. Street, Rich. Hollywood, yeah. media, conglomerate, right? Yeah. That's what happens, you know? You yeah. sell your soul and then you get fucked. Uh-huh. Like, and the benefit always redounds to the Republicans because they are always going to have more rich Always people. richer. Always more donors. Yeah, Maybe but, you if know. you had a vision for the way for the, the world should be or if you had some type of integrity like i've been saying you pulled you drew the line somewhere and said yes this is legal. Mm-hmm. Yes we can deregulate media and get more money. But that would be bad for democracy, for this country, 
for the average American and their ability to get a balance of a balanced information, whatever. Yeah. Then maybe now, you know, I'd be with you when you complain about something like this. But instead, you just did the convenient thing to get money in the moment mm -hmm. because it was legal, right? It's just like the email thing. I, we didn't break a rule. Yeah. Okay, but hey, but hey you get fucked at the end. But <laughs> it hey, never you know, works out. We, Stop doing this. But we have Nancy Pelosi and we have Chuck Schumer and they're just so good at winning elections. Yes. Because they sell out and they get a lot of money. But what's like, what is so sad about that is it's a dead end. Every time they sell out to rich people, it just makes the hill that they have to climb to victory taller. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Either you're going to become Republicans so you can court billionaires or you're not. You can't like try to come to some middle ground. You're just fighting against yourself. That's what I'm saying. You have to pick an ideology and stick to it. Yeah. Instead of try to be like moderate and centrist and just weigh all options and just take the or best solution. Or being pragmatic, right? People yeah. say, oh, you guys are purists. You need to be more pragmatic. We need to win however we can. Well, that's what they did. They were being pragmatic. They decided to take the money in the moment to win however they can. Yeah. Okay, but now... Yeah. Now what? <laughs> so what do you think is the Democratic Party's, Hillary's solution to this problem of Sinclair buying up local news and media and the internet being full of fake news? Take a guess. Market solutions? <laughs> I don't know. Um... Tech billionaires. Oh, God. They will save right. us. We need to disrupt. That's what, that was the subtext, or not the well, subtext, that, that was the rest of Nancy Pelosi's quote when the student asked her, you know, what should we do about the socialist energy on the left in the Democratic Party? Mm -hmm. And she said, we're capitalists, that's it. What her, the rest of her solution was, the rest of her statement was, um, we need to show, you know, people who run businesses that if they support their workers, it's better for business. What we need to do is get good. We need to convince these rich, powerful people to to help us. Right. You know, because the be only thing that stops a, a bad billionaire is a good billionaire. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you make billionaires illegal, only criminals will be billionaires. So we just need a money arms race now, right? Yeah. Of who can get more billionaires? But I'm telling you again, that's going to be. It's always going to be. Yeah, yeah. Because those good tech rich billionaires. Who I assume she includes like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, are fucking stupid. Fucking Elon Musk, that's who she mentions. Yeah, well, the, the guy they who's also running Amazon, no... the guy who's running Amazon warehouses that are not air conditioned. That's that Jeff are... Bezos. Oh, that's who she mentioned, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Uh, because okay, here's the quote. It's just short. Sorry to interrupt you okay. on your role, but Walt Mossberg asks her, "So what are we going to do about it? This media problem?" And then the other moderator says, jokingly. Yes, you and Walt, what are you going to do about it? Because he said, what are we going to do about it? And he said, I've got some time now. And Hillary said, you would be a great advisor to one or more of our tech billionaires who just wants who wants to buy some media. What? And he said, uh, they don't listen to me. And she said, well, then we're going to have to find other people who will compete against what is a considerable advantage on the other side. But so they... again, when those good billionaires see, first of all, they also believe in market solutions. They are stupid. So Mark Zuckerberg was going to solve the chart, the problem with New Jersey schools with charter schools <laughs> yeah. and gave, I don't know how many millions of dollars, most of which has disappeared. Yeah. And New Jersey schools still suck. And the charter schools that they created are corrupt and unregulated. And no one knows what's Weren't going on. Weren't there some people that started charter schools that took the money and fled the country? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, or if they didn't flee the country. I also, I heard some about like a... 
Like, they started a charter school in Wisconsin and literally left under the cover of night and then started a different charter school in Florida and then also <laughs> disappeared under the cover of night after, like, it was clear that the charter school's garbage. Scams, yeah. yeah, so one, the, those billionaires are stupid and they also have no vision for the world. No. And two, whenever... The, you don't become a billionaire like that and then keep trying to acquire money because you don't want, like tax breaks and you know uh, special benefits redounding down to you and those things are the bread and butter of the republican party so even if you have a lot of good billionaires whatever that means Mm -hmm. to democrats i guess billionaires that like gay people or whatever a lot of those tech companies for example of because Hillary is obviously such a feminist, have major problems when it comes to the way they treat their female employees, Mm -hmm. how much they pay them, the sexual harassment, like, you know. Uh, Somebody asks her about that. We can talk about it at the end if you want, which is why I mention it. And her answer was, like, you have to be tougher as a woman. (sighs) You have to stand up for yourself, basically. Okay. So, like I said, what does a good tech billionaire mean? I don't know, and neither does Hillary Clinton, and she's not interested in trying to figure it out with any type of honest... you know interrogation but my point is just that those people also don't have like a they don't have real politics i mean their ideas are all about making money Mm. and that's what republicans are into like hoarding wealth you know lording being able to to rule over the lower than you people those are reactionary Mm. ideas that's never going to jive with the democratic base and people who want equality. Mm-hmm. They fundamentally do not want equality. Yeah, yeah. We've been saying lately about conservatives, either you believe that there are certain people who deserve to rule over others, or you don't, and conservatives believe that there are. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't change if you believe tech billionaires should rule over us, but also because they support gay people. You're still saying, like, you know, we would do best to listen to our, our betters, our masters. Basically. Yeah, anytime you say that, like, economic equality is, inequality is okay, mm-hmm. or like Nancy Pelosi, we're a capitalist society, we just yeah. can't do anything about that. Yeah. Then you're announcing, I believe that some people should live better lives, should have more access to resources, to power, to whatever, yeah, yeah. than other people. Well, then... I'm sorry. It's nice that you fly a gay pride flag or whatever, but because you're from San Francisco, but you don't actually believe in equality. Yeah. If you have a, if you are on the Forbes richest 500, 200 list or whatever it is of all the billionaires, yeah, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Exactly. You don't believe that it's immoral that you have that, that many times, that many standard deviations more yeah. than the average American, yeah, you know? That, a minute out of your day is worth somebody else's whole fucking year. Yes, exactly. That's what you're saying. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hillary Clinton, like uh, an hour of her time is worth like a hundred thousand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they'll, they won't make that in like several years. Yeah. So aren't you saying that some people, yeah, deserve more deserve to have more of everything yeah. than other people although i will say bernie sanders owns two houses so fuck that guy that's yeah. the scan that's the scandal that libs try to throw at him yeah. meanwhile hillary owns mansions yeah <laughs> yeah was... no uh no i mean i i've been 
to Cape Cod and to Martha's Vineyard and stuff like that. And it's not just a mansion. She, she owns a fucking compound mm. it, between, like, Ted Danson and the Kennedys. It's, like, a compound. Uh, like, it's, like, it's not yeah. just a house, yeah. you know? No wonder people felt or like... Or a big house or No whatever. wonder people felt like she couldn't represent them. Obviously, some rich people like Trump can pull it off, but, like, Trump went on professional wrestling, you know? Yeah. She mentioned Jeff Bezos because they asked her, what do you think about Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post? And she said, I think that Jeff Bezos saves the Washington Post. And then people applauded. (laughs) Jeff Bezos was running factories where people weren't earning a living wage, uh, warehouses, weren't earning a living wage and weren't getting air conditioning. People were driven to the hospital. He also has a $600 million deal with the CIA, which they never talk about or disclose when the Washington Post is reporting on them, even though it's a clear conflict of interest. And it's that deal is worth several times more than the Washington Post. So as far as Jeff Bezos goes, I'm pretty sure it influences him. And if you actually try to look for article, you have to use like the Wayback Machine, like because Because they're scrubbing the the Internet of articles. Yes. Well, right after Hillary's applause break here. So, I'm sorry, I'm just saying, he's yeah, not a, a benevolent tech billionaire, right. is my point. Right know? after her applause break, she said, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of his peers and friends thought of Jeff Bezos. Why would you buy this ancient medium called a newspaper? But newspapers like the Washington Post, the Journal, the Times, and a few others still drive news. Yeah. That's why you want to buy it. Exactly. Because yeah, that's you can... <laughs> Because you can sculpt, yeah. you can like shape what everybody believes. And in especially if you buy one that is an institution like the Washington Post that has previously be, been seen as having integrity that broke important stories like Watergate, you yeah, know, yeah. you can ride, you can coast on that, you know, wave of. Yeah. Well, Hillary. Of, what, what's it called? What? Goodwill? Not good. Yeah, Goodwill. Goodwill. <sighs> Like Hillary said, it still drives news, drives news online, drives news on TV. That's why you buy a newspaper and not like yeah. an internet website. Also, usually when you hear some people, even in the mainstream media, who are like, oh, yeah, um, TV journalism is garbage, but print news, there's still good print news. Mm. So there is this meme amongst, you know, well-read, intelligent people that print news is still good and better and worth reading something that helps then an institution like the washington post when they want to say drive news drive whatever story they think is beneficial or or interesting yeah yeah so there was um one thing in particular i wanted to talk about but there are quite a few things here um look i guess we should pull out her quotes about macedonians Um, well we don't have to she basically just blamed macedonian teens who were trying to make some extra money to buy like cool jeans and tennis shoes online yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah she just doesn't she just clearly like, yeah, doesn't those, understand how the internet works i don't even know if she knows where macedonia is it's mm, like, probably you th- really think that those kids influenced the election okay or that they even cared like they just cared about making some extra money uh one thing i really want to pull out Uh, I don't think I saw anybody else mention this was, so here's a quote. She says, I'm not a tech tech expert by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't know how to use email on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. But she said, uh, 
If you look at Facebook, the vast majority of the news items posted were fake. Probably not. The vast majority of news shared on Facebook was fake. And even how do you count that? Yeah, right? Do you yeah. count that by what people consumed or by what was posted? She says they were connected to, as we now know, the 1,000 Russian agents who were involved in delivering those messages. I have no idea what she's talking about there. But they're just so caught up in this Russia. Oh, no. I was getting my hair colored or, as it were, stripped of color, bleached, right. whatever, yesterday. Blonded. Blonded, yeah. And um, my hair colorist is an interesting person and she was telling me that she's read that russia was working with trump and they you know they hacked our election she's Mm -hmm. like 60 so when she says hacked i mean she's actually like pretty tech savvy but not i don't i don't know how much she understands what what it would actually mean to hack an election yeah but anyway the russians hacked our elections and they had information on like facebook users and then they would like target specific oh. like facebook specific facebook users or whatever's feed with fake oh, news no. stories against hillary is this what they're telling people i don't that's i don't facebook... know where she got it cuz she but really she's no 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 that's how facebook ads work right you buy an ad and you can select the audience you want to target oh yeah to. That's what it is. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And she, she also People... told me that they had all the data, which I felt like, I don't, okay, they had all the data. And so they would tell like the Trump campaign, oh, you need to go to these places in Michigan and these places in Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's how they need to go there. But like Hillary didn't or something. And I was like, okay, yeah, but you know, no. like Russia didn't stop Hillary from going anywhere. Actually, Hillary <laughs> sort of implied that. In her, in her statements here. So I guess this is, like, information that's making the rounds. Because, again, yeah. I don't want to, like, shit on my colors, not only because she does a really great job, but, but also because... she's learning this stuff from the news, you know? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. She's, like, really interested, and she goes down rabbit holes, and she reads a lot. And, you know, I may not always, like, agree with everything that she reads and questions some of the sources, but at the same time, like, I definitely think she's a... Um, like a good weather vane of like which way the mainstream is blowing. Is she more just a mainstream Democrat person? Well, no. I mean, she definitely thinks that they fucked Bernie over. She told mm. me that a few times, which I was like, all right, girl, I'm on your side. <laughs> but it was just like, she was almost like telling me things that like, because I just disregard like any story where it's like Russia hacked our elections, I know, you know, yeah. that I don't like get that in. I don't know what the spin is on those stories, the way that she has read it and therefore is kind of telling me about, you know? I think the problem is the spin is, like, way out of control because people don't understand the technology. Like, I was talking to my friend's mom a while back about... Because she's very, like, smart and very interested in politics, too. But, um... She really has been watching a lot of Rachel Maddow. Same with my colorist. She's like, do you watch Rachel Maddow? I love Rachel Maddow. I was like, oh, no, here we go, Russia. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say that Rachel Maddow has put all of her eggs into the Russia basket. The level of paranoia that I saw, like, talking to my friend's mom who was watching it. I'm saying it really encourages everyone else who listens to her. But it's shocking. It's like, it's like... An equivalent paranoia to sort of what you saw from Trump voters or even from, like, 9-11 truther people almost. Like, just this idea that 
you have the secret knowledge and it's so infuriating that you know it and nobody else is acknowledging it. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. do think that's very appealing. Yeah. I definitely got that vibe from uh, my colorist for sure. I think a lot of people who are watching Rachel Maddow, like a lot of mainstream Democrats and even people who are like more liberal than most Democrats, but yeah. Cause I think she's don't pretty have, liberal. Like, other news sources. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, she was telling me, like, oh, I listened to, like, the New York Times podcast yeah. and stuff like that. Like, Although I'm starting to get there. Like, this new story from The Intercept, uh, not the, like, slides, but the one about... Oh, no, yeah, the slides about um, the phishing attempt that they successfully pulled off against IT firms that were running voting machines and stuff. It's starting to make me think, like, yeah, maybe there really is something... Like oh, that yeah, that's what I told her. I was like, yeah. at first, I thought, this is ineptitude by the democrats i explained to her why i thought they had run a horrible campaign i mean and you can't erase that no matter yeah and i said like to me this seemed the russia thing just felt like i ignored it for a really long time because it just seemed like this is so stupid and it's so obvious they're just trying to deflect blame because it's so embarrassing that they lost to donald trump like how could they ever show their faces and run another campaign if they actually admitted the really rookie mistakes that they made Mm -hmm. but then the more you see that they're covering shit up and, you know, like this, like now these latest leaks and stuff about actually trying to hack into voting yeah. machines, that does mean the election was hacked. You know, right, like, yeah. that actually is scary. Yeah. Especially because... Potentially. Well... <clears throat> I mean, potentially it happened. Potentially it happened, but either way, the idea is we'll never know now in a way, you know? Because we'll a lot of be these... skeptical. Some of these machines don't even have auditing. Like, right. Yeah. They don't even have log files. We'll never know. And the fact that they can create that sense of questioning and insecurity in our... is like the goal. Exactly. It doesn't matter if they hack. They don't have to actually, like even successfully hack. We just need to know that it happened. And it's like, we'll never know. It's like... In the, I don't know, in the 1800s or something, you found out your like, wife slept with your best friend and she's pregnant, but she's also been sleeping with you. You'll never know if it's yeah. his baby or yours. It's probably yours, but that insecurity that it creates is really hard to resolve, you know? like Yeah. I, I feel like, though, this has a huge parallel with, um, obviously, the stuff Russia has done in other countries, as everybody says, but also the stuff we've done in other countries. Uh, yeah, like totally. It is our the, chickens coming home to roost. Yeah, like even just a few years ago during the umbrella protests in Hong Kong, um, the democracy activists, mostly students, going out with yellow and yellow umbrellas and occupying spaces because they are, um, because China's really pushing back on this idea that Hong Kong has any uh, autonomy. Like, so they should be able to elect their own representatives, but China is, like, giving them the list of people they're allowed to vote for, so they don't yeah. have real autonomy. But part of the agreement of, like, Britain handing it over to China was that they should have, you know, an adequate level of decision-making over their own governance. Yeah. Um, so I got really into this movement and was following it, and I still am. I still think it's great, but it's also true that the U.S. was funding some of this because they set up through... What's that... Um, endowment for democracy or something like that i think that sounds right but yeah there's something called something like that yeah um that depending on how you look at it it's either like the u.s spreading democracy throughout the world or the u.s spreading instability throughout the world right right because they set up workshops for some of these activists okay yeah well i was gonna say or even propaganda like i like to watch this show on youtube called like 
360 degrees. Right. And it's a Macedonian show uh, about news show about things that are happening in Macedonia. And it's like nice for me because I can watch it on YouTube. It's in Macedonian, but it is funded by a combination of basically a foundation that's also gets money from the Soros Open Society Institute Mm -hmm. and uh, gets money from, oh, fuck, some organization within our, like USAID or some organization within our State Department. And so it says, like, if you go on the the website... Like, oh, it's our goal to spread democracy. We want to build good news programs. And, mm-hmm. like, when I watch this show, I definitely think, like, this is a good news yeah. show, I think. I mean, I don't, I'm not there, but it doesn't, I don't feel like I'm hearing propaganda. But at the same time, I haven't seen them covering anything that America does yet, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if when I, it's something America did, if it's at least less critical than perhaps an independent news organization or maybe even a a Macedonia-only funded news organization or whatever might be. Or not. Or not. That's what I'm saying. You don't know. No. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like you said, like at best they're spreading democracy or or maybe they're sowing instability or maybe they're spreading propaganda or maybe they're spreading democracy you know like or why should you trust the Washington Post more than 360 best is that what it's called? Stepany. Stepany. Yeah. Um when it's owned by a billionaire who has his own agenda. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, so I feel like other people have been living in that, you know, confused reality in other countries for a long time because of Russia and also because of the U.S. Totally. And like in her statement here, Hillary Clinton says something about that, like it being hard to know what's real and we have to, you know, make sure we keep a focus on what's real and stuff. But um, the one thing I wanted to mention here was like... Wait, sorry, just before... Maybe I'm interrupting at the wrong spot. No, but it's okay. Just before uh, we move too far away from this, there's a talking about how people in other countries and people in Russia have been living in this situation where it's hard to know exactly what's real, what's real news, who has an agenda that they're spreading, whatever. There's a really great Adam Curtis, like six mm-hmm. minute documentary from 2014 on Vladislav Surkov, who is like the, I think he's like the information minister or something like that mm-hmm. for Russia. And his nonlinear right. like tactics of and the, spreading information. The point is like he came out of the conceptual art world and yes. applied his like postmodernist theories of art to governance. And part of the idea is like you make it hard to know what's real and what's not. Yeah. So they fund both. like neo Nazi skinheads and like groups that are technically resisting or yeah. are resisting like Putin or whatever. Or they'll right? fund yeah, they'll fund opposition to Putin. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So it's called uh, so you can just search on YouTube, yeah. Adam Curtis, like Screen Wipe 2014, or Adam Curtis, and the guy's name from Russia is Vladislav, so V-L-A-D-I-S-L-A-V, and then his last name is Surkov, S-U-R-K-O-V. Okay. I just really, I like want, no. I'm constantly trying to get this video out to as many people yeah. as possible, because the more I hear people talking about like fake news and hard to know what's real, the more I just keep thinking back mm-hmm. to this documentary, yeah, yeah. and it's incredible. Actually, I think, I'm glad you brought that up, because I think it goes back to sort of those, you know, postmodernist, critical theory-inflected, continental philosophy-inflected ideas of what is true and what's real, mm-hmm. you know, following, like, Derrida and stuff, who I'm not that familiar with, but I'll talk oh. about it anyway, as if I am. Uh, sure. Um, like, the answer is not to say what's real, what's true, we should just stick to the facts, because how do you know what's a fact, really? So here later, Hillary talks about 
um, what's up with all these millions of Twitter of of Twitter followers of Donald Trump's account that are bots, mm-hmm. right? Um, who's behind that? Is it Russia paying for these or paying or creating these fake bots to follow Trump? Why? What the fuck benefit is there for that? <laughs> Who fucking cares if he has 54 million followers or 50, right? Um, but like uh, when she was giving this speech, and it's so funny because she got this from a fake news source. There's <laughs> this, this hack, this patriotic hacker called The Jester, which no self-respecting like skilled hacker would call themselves <laughs> The Jester. That is the kind of thing... Like, I thought jesters were really cool when I was 11. Yeah. And I think I had a screen name that was, like, the jester something or other, you know? Oh, yeah. You'd have to be, like, really old and uncool to think that's <laughs> awesome. And people who are in InfoSec are cool. Like, they're not coming up with shit like that. Yeah. So, I, right off the bat, I don't trust him. But he's, like, a member of the hashtag resistance. <sighs> okay. And he uncovered this. He was like, oh, my God, Trump's Twitter follows have increased, not even exponentially, not even... but like 10% in the past month, Mm. you know, while he's being attacked over his ties to Russia. This is just an attempt to, I don't fucking know what, but all these like resistance liberals online got all fired up about this. And Hillary mentions it here. Um, I'll find it for, so Hillary's asked about fake news. What can we do to fight news? She says it's very important to fight fake news. And like 10 seconds later, she brings up this fake news that she heard on Twitter <laughs> from patriotic hacker The Jester. Right. All the E's are threes. Okay. That's how you know he's an elite hacker. Yeah. And she's a, let me pose this question. Let me just pose this question. I'm only asking questions here, right? Mm-hmm. The classic defense of that's how you smear yeah. without yeah, of course. taking credit for it. Who is behind driving up Trump's Twitter followers by the millions? We know they're bots. Why? I assume there's a reason for everything. Is it to make him look more popular than he is? He's the president. I know. He's the That's fucking president. That's what I was going to say. Lots of people who hate him follow him. Yeah. But especially because he's the president. It doesn't matter how popular he is. Yeah. He's the president. I know. That's true. <laughs> That's true yeah. But uh, also people want to know what the president of the United States of America, most powerful nation yeah. in the world, is tweeting, especially yeah. when he does it at 4 a.m. Yeah, totally. So first of all, it's not true. Somebody responded like, less than an hour after patriotic hacker the jester tweeted this and with a graph of trump's twitter follower growth and it's right on trend like yeah it's the same amount that follow him every week every month whatever so there was no huge burst in his followers mm-hmm. and if you looked at the replies it was like the third reply and uh the other thing is like they don't understand technology they don't understand what bots are they apparently think AI is here, and these bots are the ones that are out trolling people. Hillary is living in 2037. <laughs> <laughs> she's so far ahead yeah, of us. Yeah. She's a queen. But uh, she's a queen from the future. <laughs> uh, a lizard person queen from the future. They yeah. joke about if she's a lizard person in this interview. <laughs> it's it's like a little chilling just to hear her joke about, haha, I'm a lizard person. <laughs> um, but anyway... We don't believe in lizard people on Cold Pizza Party. But yeah, we but like to listen to people who do. David Icke, is he still alive? Somewhere yeah. David Icke was like, I knew it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, yeah, they don't know how bots work, right? Like, you know, as soon as you get Twitter and SoundCloud and Facebook, there's a market for paying for fake likes. Oh, right. So there are these, like, semi-legitimate companies in places like the Philippines, used to be in Israel, where... People set up a little internet business where you um, hire people 
you know, mm-hmm. young people or whatever, co- college students to make some extra money to come in. And they'll spend all day setting up fake accounts mm-hmm. and controlling the fake accounts, right? So it's, so to make it less obviously fake, you give them fake names and fake profile pictures and you follow people. Yeah. So you're going to follow D- Donald Trump with a lot yeah. of his accounts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of course he has fake followers because there's a huge market for fake accounts. Yeah. And one of the most obvious people to follow when you start your fake account is like Donald Trump or at POTUS or, you know, like... Kanye West. Yeah. Whatever. But my broader point is, like, don't get caught up in the facts. Like, you thought you had this fact. Who is following Donald Trump? But actually, there's, like, a deeper fact there, which is you really have to understand the technology to even understand. Yeah. So you can't expect a normal human being in this complicated world to understand rationally everything that's going on. Yeah. You can't have all the facts. I happen to know about this sort of thing, but if I didn't, like, how could I know what the truth is when I don't know these facts that I just gave you? Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, I do computer stuff and I'm interested in it. Yeah. I would just have to trust somebody else who tells me. Or I would just have to be guided by my values and, and realize, like, who fucking matter. cares how yeah. many Twitter followers <laughs> yeah. Trump has? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why I'm glad you brought up, uh, what's what's his name, the Russian guy? Oh, Vladislav Surkov? Surkov. Um, because, like, so he started learning theoretical ideas about how do you know what the truth is? The point is, like, to stay in that space. Yeah. Okay? So I want to support these Hong Kong protesters, but I find out they've gotten backing from America, and I think that sucks. I think that's shady. I don't think we should be doing that. But I should support them anyway because I support what they're doing. Yeah. You know? I think it is shady, like, a little bit, what Soros is doing around the world, but mostly I support what he does. Yeah. And actually, you know, I've read enough about it that I feel like I trust his overall project. Yes. So if I hear he's funding stuff... Like, okay, maybe it's AstroTurf a little bit, but I still support the goals. Yeah. So I still support it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a really good stance to take. Which is like what we say over and over again is that ultimately you have to have a strong sense of your politics, your ideology, your values and morals and the Mm -hmm. things that you at your core believe and let that be your guide. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because, exactly, you can't know the facts. We don't live in a rational world or a world where wonks can explain every policy to us and then we can, you know, look at the pros and cons and weigh every single thing. Which, by the way, again, is why Bernie would have won. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say that. Bernie would have won. uh, (laughs) Because I think he was guided throughout his career by his morals and values and ideology. So... That's why, like, you see him getting arrested with civil rights protesters yeah. when it was hard and scary as shit. And there were a lot of white people who maybe thought even, like, oh, I don't know. Yes, black people deserve rights, but I don't know that I need to go and blah, blah, blah. No, he was there doing the right thing, the most correct action he could take, I think, yeah. to go be there in the mom- in that moment, you yeah. know? Um, when you look at his record, like he doesn't have to be right all the time, as we always say to each other, he just is because he is guided by his morals, you know, and his ideology and his belief that like the more equality people have, the less disparity in wealth there is, the better things will be material for the most materially for the most amount of people. Right. I mean, there are certain things. That's why, like, I don't care how many houses he owns, you know, or, 
what the newest attack on Bernie Sanders is because when I look at him, I see someone who's doing that, you know, who's who's living that life because Hillary is someone, on the other hand, you see clearly was guided by the facts of the moment. In the moment in 1990, the facts were that mm. there are welfare queens and there are people who are taking advantage of this system and there are criminals who are repeat offenders. Uh, there are children who are super predators, who are black, scary yeah, kids, was, and they need to be punished. She was Those a were moment, the facts. She was like a creature of the zeitgeist. That's she what I'm saying. absorbing what everybody else was feeling and saying and just That's what I'm saying. Those it. were the facts, quote unquote, of the moment. She yeah. thought she knew what was true, yeah. but even back then before we had fake news as a term right right there was still no way to know what is yeah true or good I mean, rationally besides yeah. to have a moral compass and values and ideology that you adhere to at your core yeah. so if you allow yourself to be blown by the wind whichever way well she was against uh civil unions then she was for them she was against gay marriage then she was for it she was against um uh, you know, illegals, quote unquote, and I do think that is the term she used in uh, like the 2012 campaign, getting uh, driver's licenses. Yeah. But then she was your abuela in 2016. Yeah. Well, sorry, like you know, that doesn't work because, again, that there, there's no core. There is no. I hate. I know you hate that term, and I do too. But there is no there there. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing at the center that you feel like you can grab onto that's real. Yeah. You know. I was gonna say maybe um, all these like mainstream democratic libs are so frustrated with this uh, sense that they don't know what's real because they're not guided by values. Right? Yeah, because their politics are empty. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I yeah, say yeah. all the time. When like... your whole okay, so like if I'm gonna give a generous reading of Hillary Clinton. Sorry, Given just, that I've read this, one, go on. Can I just say real quickly? Um, their politics are empty uh, and they are so obsessed with being right. Yeah. Letting everyone else know that they have taken the correct position. Right. That's the whole point. And that's also, I, th I do think that is what leads to an alt-right that wants to just yeah. shit on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But not to derail us, sorry. No, that makes sense. I like that. Um so if I, I read this and I liked what I shared with you earlier about, she's like, there's always going to, there's always this backlash, you know, we're always, so I'm going to give a generous reading of her a little bit. She said, like, we're always trying to progress forward, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they're always trying to clot back from us. Mm -hmm. But that's not a, a moral vision either, right? Just the idea that we're going to progress forward. Yeah. Where to? What direction? You well, know. also, like, yes, time will keep moving on and things will keep changing. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Having this, like, abstract sense that you want to be on the side of the future. Yeah. Isn't a real politics. Yeah. I mean, it is, I guess, like, everything How? is. How? No. Because it leads to this. But then it doesn't prevent you from thinking, like, well, illegal immigration is a problem. Yeah. Or why don't we just... Now why in don't the we future, let... we have all these illegals we've got to do something yeah. about them or in the 90s it doesn't stop you from saying why can't gay people just get civil unions exactly all the benefits of marriage but we won't call it marriage exactly you know there's no real value there there's and no also, real mechanism for making yeah. decisions for weighing alternatives yeah and that's the pragmatic approach right why can't they just accept civil unions right that's it's pragmatic it's what we can get done right now right yeah, oh, yeah, never, yeah. Never no, that's move that's forward. true. That's a pragmatic point of view. She's yeah. like, we just have to keep progressing forward. Yeah, meaning well, a little I'll just bit accept civil unions right now. Yeah, yeah. Without the idea 
that no, it's immoral to say that some people deserve to call themselves married and be on a higher, their relationships are held in society as higher. More valid. Yes. Yeah. Than other people. Yeah. Why don't they, why do a they have to call union? it marriage? Yeah. Well, the correct answer is why not? But again, this is that idea. I'm telling you, they don't believe in equality. Yeah. Not really. Well, it's not her ideology. Like another well, big part I don't of know her. That she has so the other part of their ideology, like her original campaign slogan that Beyond, like, fortunately they didn't put out was it's her turn, right? Yeah. Was that it? It's her turn. Yeah, it's her turn. Now, it's her I turn think. now. Yeah. Like that was what they were going to put on yeah. stickers and everything. Yeah. You know, their whole ideology is pragmatism and like uh, Hillary Clinton is a very capable leader with the right experience, right? Yeah. Neither of those can actually help you navigate this reality that they find themselves in. Or which is, any reality. <laughs> they see this new world as we don't, it's hard to know what's real. It's yeah. full of fake news. And the idea that you're just going to make the best decisions based on the facts gets really complicated in that point in that universe and that's why i mentioned like derrida and you know i could mention lacan too again i don't have great grasps of their ideas but both of them have different um you know theoretical constructs for why you can why reality is like quite largely subjective yeah yeah and that's just the reality we've always lived in yeah and uh the Russian guy, I'm so Vladislav Surkov. So he grew up with academic theories that said this is the way reality always is. Yeah. And now he's putting that into practice and using that to his advantage. Yeah, totally. And these people who never saw reality that way just can't handle it at all. Yeah. But we've always lived in that world. It's yeah. always that way. You can't well, just even... look out into the world and automatically know what's going on. Even if she'd bothered to talk to her uh, old pal there, Henry Kissinger, he might right. have told her. There is no reality. We yeah. create reality by the actions we Absolutely, take. That's what yeah. his Harvard like, was thesis, thesis was about. Yeah. yeah. Carl Rove said the same thing. Yeah. He said uh, about liberals, like, you'll we'll do something, and then you're like caught up on that. We're already off doing the next thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So they set the they define right. reality. They define the parameters. Right. Yeah. That's why they're so much better at this, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But the alternative well, to yeah, that... Well, yeah, because they don't really care as much about being correct. They're sure they know, like, the way things should be, like a man and a woman should be together. But they don't really care about taking the correct position in the moment, the way that I think Hillary Clinton wants to be, like... They care about, like, impact, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. But there's a, an alternative to that nihilism, which is to take a position on values. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the only way to navigate the uncertainty of the world. I literally don't know how else you could go through the world without defining things like that for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're not a self-help podcast, but by God, if you haven't taken the time to like figure out what your morals and values are, <laughs> pause this. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, take some time to work on yourself. Like, yeah. who are you at your core? You know, like, yeah. I've read before that, like, some people say, like, uh, Marilyn Monroe had, like, borderline personality disorder, which is why each man that she met and married, like, was completely in love with her and, and couldn't understand how then she could be with the next guy because she had reflected him back at his She at recast because, herself in their image over and over. Yeah. Because she didn't have a core self. Essentially. Yeah, I think that's Lacanian because he's very obsessed with the mirror stage. Okay. Which is like, you know, 
people reflect back information about yourself to you and that's how you learn about yeah. yourself. Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about Marilyn Monroe personally, but I think it's an interesting idea because it's like, it. I don't know that everyone who doesn't work on having morals and values, you know, has borderline personality disorder and I'm not interested in, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, categorizing anyone. But my point is just that like, if you don't create that core self it's really hard for other people to know who you are and then if you're going to run as a leader you're not gonna have anything for people to hold on to for anything people to like remember about you or to see and i think that's where you get the sense oh she's duplicitous maybe she's not maybe she's like a really nice honest person but there's no way for us to know that about her based on the self that she's projected that we've seen over the years, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> for a moral ethical framework, can I recommend Simone de Beauvoir? <laughs> yeah, ethics for of sure. ambiguity. That's the perfect antidote to Kissinger because he was an existentialist. He yes. was writing in the 50s, you know? So yeah. he's kind of a forgotten existential pioneer. And he saw this world of meaninglessness and he decided meaning is created through action and great men create action and they define the world. Yeah. Simone de Beauvoir said like, you know, the in this meaningless world, you know, it's like really difficult being a human. And the greatest thing you can do is serve other people's freedom. Yeah. And that's her defining um, ethical imperative is to serve other people's freedom. Yeah. So I recommend that. Yeah. Do you want to explain what serve other people's freedom means a little more? Or? I mean, that's about that's. Yeah, but it, it basically means creating the conditions for the most people to be as free as possible right? yeah yeah because sometimes it's hard when you've never heard something before to like fully understand what a quote means so, like that if you haven't like interrogated it a little bit that's why I'm the way i think that. about it is like you know so the world doesn't have a god to give you meaning so you have to so what do you do in the absence of that well the world is made up of all these different people that's a fact that's incontrovertible uh-huh. right so if we want to like deal with that existential condition of freedom the correct thing to do is to actualize that freedom in the world and you do that not through serving just your own freedom but through serving the freedom of other people right and helping them be free as well yeah and the other main like uh, theoretical thing in her framework there is projects which is like so we're in this like isolated condition as a single person in this meaningless world but what we can do is put things into the world and that's the point of doing a project um you, you create your acts as an object. It's not just like a force that you apply to the world that changes the world, but like you make something and you put it out into the world and other people interact with it. Hmm. Almost like why someone might decide to create a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that's our advice for living in a meaningless universe where reality <laughs> is confusing. The fact yeah. is we've always been there. Yeah. And real quick, I just wanted to say like, I think these, again, a big problem that they have, maybe I mentioned it, is like, these mainstream libs and Democrats, they just aren't familiar with the internet. Not just in terms of, like, they don't know what a bot is, but we grew up with fake news. We grew up yeah, I know, every I every point know, of view I on know. the internet. It's so weird when I started hearing people say, there's fake news on the internet. Did you know there's fake news on the <laughs> yeah. internet? I was like, yeah. yeah, I thought we all knew. Wasn't there a joke? Like, it must be true. I read it online. Like, <laughs> yeah. obviously, there's fake news. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's what that's one of the things that makes it so great is you can go to a bizarre website like Above Top Secret and learn about lizard people. Yeah. All right, I think that's our long podcast for today, probably. Cool. Those are the best choice quotes from this uh, interview. Cool. I yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. 
I didn't look up the Macedonians. I mean, I can. At one point, no, she fine. says, like, oh, you can, like, keep those Macedonian guys off the internet, but we're still going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Macedonian teenagers uh, lost the election for you. Sorry. No. <laughs> I, I love the idea, I do too. Take, I take responsibility for everything we did, but I do blame teenagers in Macedonia. It shows you how they are equally xenophobic too. Like all Eastern European are the same and it's still the USSR. Yeah. And Macedonia, which was never part of it, these Macedonian teens are working at the behest of the KGB. Totally. Yeah, I think that's the implication there, which was really hard for me to understand for a while because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, no, no. It's obvious. They're all Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same way they always talk about Melania. Like she's like, uh, I like seeing people call her a Russian bride. Like she's Slovenian God. and she went to an excellent school. I mean, people think not that Russian brides are dumb. I don't know anything about Russian brides. I'm just saying. Oh, we, people you can watch actually, that reality show where people. Yeah, get, it's really cool. There are some really cool. It's really Russian brides. Who freaky to watch too. Sometimes it's insane and sometimes it works out. <clears throat> but my point is just like this idea that like Eastern European women are these like social climbing, you know. Uh, bimbos is like just now an acceptable thing to say if you're a democrat yeah <laughs> because you know they're feminists who love women right <laughs> yeah it's like ah uh... yeah. but anyway okay okay well i think we can wrap it up there i think that was a really good you know far-reaching discussion at least towards the end we always like get a little fired up halfway through yeah. and then I think the end's a little better. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend people listen to our podcasts backwards. Yeah, definitely. We should do it like David Lynch style and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> record our audio and then play. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we hope you enjoyed that discussion. Again, thank you so much to everyone who has written a review on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. It made us feel really good. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if you want to write a review on iTunes, especially one that's really nice, we appreciate that. Um, you can also just Google, or maybe not Google, but if you search Cold Pizza Party on iTunes, you'll find us there. You can subscribe, yeah. and then you'll get podcasts from us whenever they come out, because we're not always super regular, although yeah. we are trying to be more regular. We also post them on SoundCloud, so you can listen to them there real easy. Yeah, and you if, can also uh, uh, become a follower on SoundCloud and get them that way. Yeah, and you can get an RSS feed off of SoundCloud if that helps anybody. Or if anybody listening wants it on a different platform, I could set that up for a person. Yeah, and then if you search for Cold Pizza Party on Facebook, you'll find our Facebook group. And we, like I said, really want to have discussions with people. So if you, you know, want to talk more about what we, you know, we've talked about today or maybe something else, I don't know, you know, feel free to drop us a line there. Um, We're definitely interested in interacting with people and hearing different ideas. You know, we don't think of this stuff in a vacuum we consume a lot of information and um, we're definitely interested in being challenged and getting information in all sorts of ways including other people Mm -hmm. and also on twitter we're cold pizza party well i am but you know we could make that the official twitter account too if people started tweeting us about the podcast we'll make it the official twitter account so you can follow us there i think that's everything yeah that sounds good all right Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.